This is episode 30 of the Globetrotter Lounge podcast. You're listening to the Globetrotter Lounge podcast. Conversations with women who have found creative ways to travel more. With your host, travel hacker and online course creator, Jet Set Lizette. Just being everywhere from the Middle East to Africa to Asia, um, I just really love getting to know people of different places and cultures because, again, I think it makes me more compassionate. It makes me more tolerant. Of, of other people and other cultures. And I feel that's been the biggest growth for me since I've been able to travel a lot. Welcome to the Globetrotter Lounge podcast. It's the podcast dedicated to inspiring you to travel more. I'm your host, Jet Set Lizette, a travel coach and travel hacker who's been able to save over $100,000 in travel costs by racking up airline miles and hotel points. I believe that if you want to get to your bucket list destination, then you need to start taking concrete steps, no matter how small. Hearing how others have successfully made travel a priority is a great way to get ideas and get motivated. This podcast is going to help you become the globetrotter you've always wanted to be by bringing you valuable tips, resources, and insights from seasoned travelers. Today, I'm sitting down with a great traveler. Her name is Nadine White, and she is a physician by night, actually, and a blogger by day. She is the creator of the blog, The Sophisticated Life. So today, Nadine is going to share with us why she got bitten by the travel bug and where it all started, how she's made time to travel and be a blogger despite having a pretty big career as a physician. And she also shares quite a bit of tips and insights into finding good deals for travel and how she's managed to make travel a priority in her life. So, so much we're going to talk about. It's going to be a great episode. Before we dig into the interview, I want to be sure to share about a product that I've been using for travel and that I'm really excited about. I first met Caitlin of Waypoint Goods at the Women in Travel Summit last year, and I saw her again this year. She has created an awesome product. It's a travel accessory that allows you to not worry about people getting into your bag, taking your essentials, because you can tuck them away inside of a travel scarf with a hidden zipper pocket. It's big enough to fit wallet, passport, keys, and even your phone. So it's really genius. And they're super stylish, beautiful textures and prints. I'm loving the latest one, which is the Havana print, which is based on the colors and textures of Cuba. So make sure that you have a travel scarf with you on your next trip, whether it's a road trip or an international adventure, this will definitely be your go-to travel accessory. Go to waypointgoods.com, check out what they have, and I'll also include the link in the show notes. All right. Well, welcome, Nadine, to the Globetrotter Lounge podcast. I am so glad that you're with me here today. Yes. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. I can't wait to talk about you and your travel and your story. Um, and yeah, let's just dig in. Let's just jump into my usual kickoff question, which okay. is, what do you think sparked the travel bug for you? And, you know, if you want to get back into your childhood or wherever it started, let's hear about that. Sure. Well, I actually was born in New York City, uh, but my parents immigrated here from Jamaica. And I lived in Jamaica primarily for the first 10 years of my life. But during that time, we traveled back and forth between New York, Florida, Jamaica pretty regularly. 
Um, and then I moved to the States full time when I was 10. And my mother was actually the first real globetrotter in my family. She loved history. She loved travel. And so she was able to travel with a relative who owned a travel agency back when, you know, those were really big and they went to conventions all over the world. So growing up, I remember my mom at least once a year just going you know, to places such as Kenya, going to Thailand, going to Greece. And she would come back with all these stories and, of course, gifts from the different countries. And she was going to places at that time I had never heard of, like Budapest. Um, And she was very, and this was back in, so I moved to the United States in 1981. So this was from like 1981 until I went to college in 1988. So I was just always impressed by that. And when I got older, I was able to take trips with her. So when I was in college, I started doing some trips with her. And she had about, it was about maybe 30 people, friends and family that she traveled with every year. And once in a while, they would bring their kids along. So that was my first real inspiration. I actually wrote that wrote about her on my blog, how my mom inspired my passion for travel, because I, she's since passed away, but when I was going through her things and found her passports, I'm like, oh, I have a long way to go. (laughs) Like people Mm, think I travel a lot, but my mother definitely uh, made that a big part of her life. So she would travel with um, the travel agency group, but she also traveled with my father. And then we went on family trips as well. So I've never not traveled, honestly. I think there's some confusion. Some people say I was six weeks when I first got to Jamaica. Other people say six months, but basically I've been traveling since I was a baby. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So you were practically born with it in your blood and that was it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And it's funny because my brother um, doesn't really travel as much. So I, you know, I'm always teasing my family that I, I definitely got that travel bug from my mom. Um, <laughs> and I didn't realize how severe it was until I started being able to actually afford to travel to places that she went to. And I'm like, oh yeah, um, I'm addicted. I'm hooked. And what was interesting, it wasn't so much, you know, because this is before social media. Um, her desire came from just her passion for history and knowledge. So, you know, when she went to Greece, she went to Delphi, you know, which was considered the center of uh, civilization at one point. So it was really a quest to just see things in real life that she'd read about and learned about in books. Um, So, yeah, her telling those stories is just always amazing to me. She actually for a while brought me back a doll from each country that she went to. So I have a collection of dolls from all over the world from like the 1980s. (laughs) Yeah. Love it. Love it. Yeah. So that's how it kind of started for me. Okay. And then, um, you you know, you're actually a physician. So tell me what happened. You know, you're you're growing up, you're traveling, you spent time in Jamaica, sounds like quite a bit. Um, and, And then at some point you decided to become a doctor and I'm sure that was quite a journey. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure, sure. So it's funny, my grandmother, um, who, you know, spent her whole life in Jamaica, basically, she had wanted to become a physician, and she just didn't have the opportunities. And then my mother was one of the first people from my family to come to the United States. And she basically took whatever job she could just to sponsor the rest of the family and for us to come up. But she also had an interest in science. So I think because of that, my grandmother thought, okay, Nadine is the one she can do this. She's going to, you know, become a doctor. And so actually from when I was little living with her in Jamaica, she told me not only was I going to be a doctor, but I was going to be a pediatrician. And so I think I was brainwashed a little bit, but 
that was like, because my father was like, no, you like to talk, you like to debate, I think you should go to law school. And my mom was like, you can do whatever you want to do. And my grandmother's like, no, you, you have to be a doctor. So it's, I always tell people that she kind of got lucky because I really did love science in school. And I was drawn to biology and drawn to math. And so I decided, yeah, that this is what I was going to do. And I just went along that path. I mean, you know, I was told you have to go to college for four years, medical school for four years, you know, pediatric residency for three. And I was like, okay. So that was just my focus. And that's what I did. And actually during that time, I didn't get to travel as much. (laughs) My mom was on Mediterranean cruises. I remember she was all over the place and I wasn't able to go because I was in school. I was in training. So when I finished my training, I was in my late 30s and um, sorry, my late 20s. And I decided at that point I would go to at least one new place every year. So that was my goal, whether it be in the United States or abroad, I would have to visit at least one new place every year. And that's how I first kind of started. I felt like I had missed out on so much in training. And I started going to places like Mexico or visiting major cities in America, like San Francisco and Chicago. And then it just kind of grew from there. And I started going further and further away. Um, And in terms of me being able to travel as a physician, I actually started out in private practice, which was pretty brutal. Um, Weekends, late nights, Monday through Friday, and it was not conducive for traveling. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Very limited vacation time. And I fell into being what's called a hospitalist about 2007. Um, and hospital medicine has been great because I have been doing shift work. So I went from doing 24-hour shifts to 12-hour shifts. And it allows for um, long weekends or even a week off every month to be able to do whatever you want to do. And for me, that was travel. So I actually sought out something in terms of in my medical career that will allow me to, you know, have a balance and be able to travel and see friends and family and not just be burnt out by medicine. So, so that was kind of my path from late 20s into my 30s before I even started the blog. So I feel like a lot of people, especially with a career like something like being a physician or being a lawyer or be, you know, these jobs that we imagine as being super high paced, lots of responsibility. Um, you know, those are the jobs where people say like, well, I would travel more, but I just can't because it's just, I don't have this kind of career that would allow me to be flexible. And so I find it really fascinating that you're a pediatrician and and you have found this way. You said it's just through the type of work that you're doing that you can, that you can actually make plenty of time to travel. Yes. And of course, I have a lot of colleagues who don't have um, this opportunity. So for for instance, you know, a couple of my friends are in private, their own private practice. So when they take off work, they either have to hire someone to see patients in their office, or they just lose out on money for that week or two weeks, which as you can imagine, is huge. Um, So they don't, they travel maybe once, twice a year with their families. There's other people who are very uh, much into academics or research, and they work for academic institution where they may only get the standard four weeks vacation a year. Um, So again, that's a little bit more limiting, but I think it depends on what your goals are in your life. So, you know, I have friends who their goal is to be hospital administrators, you know, head of residency, head of surgery program. For me, I loved pediatrics, 
but I was okay taking care of, just being directly taking care of patients. Um, I do do a lot of teaching with residents and medical students at my current job, but I knew for me in terms of the lifestyle that I wanted, I was not going to be on the track to be head of this, head of that, you know, because that just brings more responsibility, you know, along with your clinical work. So I realized that for me, I needed a balance. I really needed um, to explore other things, explore my creative side. I had spent, I graduated high school at 17, graduated um, college at 21, and I was a doctor by the time I was 25. So, (laughs) you know, I spent all of, you know, up until 28, 29 pursuing medicine. And I just got to the point where I wanted to be able to explore and do other things. And so when I became a hospitalist, that just really opened up the door for me to be able to also afford to travel and also have the time to travel. And I haven't really looked back since. Like I said, I became a hospitalist around 2007. So it's been about 12 years. I've been with my current job for seven years. And, you know, even at my current job, I work night shifts. So most people do not want to work night shifts, which I understand because it's pretty brutal, but it's 12 hour shifts versus if you work during the day, it's eight hour shifts. So the doctors who work during the day have to work more days per month than I do to, you know, get the full-time hours in. So I could work two to three shifts a week and that be enough to fulfill, you know, my hours since they're 12 hour shifts. So I will tell you the other night doctors that I work with also travel a lot. <laughs> Interesting. Like, See, people, yes. like culture I didn't know about the night doctors who travel by day or whatever. I mean, yeah. And I actually call myself that Physi- uh, blogger by day, physician by yes. night. Yes. Um, blogger by day, physician by night. That was one of the first yes. things I saw on your website and I oh. loved it. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's definitely worked out well. And I actually started the blog, like I said, way after I had become a hospitalist. And that just came about because my mother had passed away. I was looking for a new job and I was just trying to find a, a distraction, let's say. And I never considered myself a creative person. I was very analytical scientist. And I started just writing about my travels. And at the time, there weren't a lot of people that looked like me that were traveling or were balancing careers and traveling. And I actually didn't know I was a quote unquote blogger. <laughs> I just, you know, hired someone to build a website. And I wanted to talk about restaurants and travel and wine. And I forget what, I think somebody I met put me in like my first blogger group on Facebook. And that's when I actually started seeing the potential of being a blogger and what that meant. So, but it's definitely still for the most part a creative outlet since my full-time job is still, you know, being a physician. Right. Right. But of course your schedule does also allow, I imagine, not only flexibility for um, travel, but then when you are around, then you have time to write. Um, So that's really great. And how often are you traveling a month, would you say? Yeah. On average, I travel once a month. In May- Once a month. Okay. Yeah. I took three trips in May um, and I just got back from Chicago. So to my husband's dismay, it's about once a month. I do probably about two to three big trips a year. One's usually with him. Um, He has a very demanding job as well. But so he's like, okay, you can go and do your thing. And then um, we can do our thing together as well. So, but yeah, you know, actually once a month so far this year has been a little bit exhausting. I give credit to people who do it more often and are also working, especially if it's not like a remote job. Um, because it definitely gets to the point where you're just in and out of a suitcase and not really 
getting time a lot of time to spend at home because I do work nights and weekends. So I kind of try and limit it usually to once a month. And how often, or I should say, and how long are those trips once a month typically? Yes. So typically about a long weekend, maybe four days on average. Um, And then, like I said, a couple of times a year I do big trips. So for instance, I was in Amsterdam for a a week in March. I went on a cruise at the beginning of the year. I'm going to Portugal as I'm excited because I followed you on your trip. So I am excited. I'm going there for 10 days at the end of the summer. And then I'm going to Iceland in October for a week. So when I do international trips, it's always at least a week. At least a week. Okay. That was going to be my question. Yeah. Cause some people will still go, they'll go for four days and they'll go really far, but I do, I love short travel, but I'd prefer it to be not an eight hour flight to get right. to that four day adventure, you know? So, yes. No, I yeah. totally agree. I, and again, because of my job, I can take a week off in a month and that not even be vacation time. I just put all my shifts together over like a three week period. And then I can get a week off without even, you know, touching vacation time. So it really is. Yeah, it's, um, it is, there's actually times I don't even request time off and I have five days off or six days off in a row. And I'm like, Oh, so where should I go? (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's the first thing travelers think like, Oh, I have extra time. Okay. Where am I going? And yeah, let's see. Exactly. so with all this travel, how are you funding it? I mean, I'm, I'm going to assume that a lot of people are like, well, of course she could travel. She's a physician. So, right. you know, but I, but there's still a lot of travel. That's still a fair amount of money. Right. So it's like, yeah. how are you doing that? Are you saving up? Do you have like a separate, you know, savings account that you put money in for travel? What's your secret? Right. So um, like most people, I always look for deals. I'm actually going to Iceland. I booked that like the beginning of the year, I think, because it was a deal. So I do subscribe to Secret Flying and Scott's Flights and Next Vacay. And I have a good list of places that are still on my bucket list. So if anything from there pops up, I look to see whether, you know, the dates and the the price fits. Um, Because of the blog, I am able to at times get either complimentary or media rates for accommodations. I usually stay in not all five-star hotels, but usually somewhat luxury hotels or four-star hotels um, in America if I travel abroad. And the same thing actually with tours. So I can usually get complimentary tours for myself or if I have a travel partner, my husband or my friend that I'm going with. And in terms of the majority of my trips, I do pay for them and I will save for bigger trips. So for instance, we went to Australia and New Zealand last December for two weeks. And so I knew from February that we were going there and I started just putting money aside for the trip. I can't say I have a specific amount that I put aside. I just kind of have an idea of what the total trip would cost in terms of flights, tours, accommodations. And then I try and like save towards that. Um, so that's usually how I do it. I will say that I'm definitely fortunate because as a physician working nights, I do get paid well. <laughs> And I am a person who, my husband was actually surprised about this when he met me. I don't shop. Like the worst thing to me is telling me I have to go somewhere and buy a dress. Like I'm not a big shopper. Um, I spend my money basically on travel or like eating out when I'm home. So I, I'm just not, people are surprised to find out that I'm not really a big spender because for me, I prefer my money to go to my biggest interest, which is travel. Yeah. It's all about priorities. 
Absolutely. And I tell people that because I have friends who will say, oh, you're so lucky you're able to do that. And I'm like, but didn't you just buy this, do this, you know, um, whether it's just shopping for clothes or technology stuff or doing things around their house. And for me, my priority is always travel. So I could be home for two weeks and spend like $30. I'm not even kidding. Like Mm -hmm. just (laughs) on groceries or something, but I'm not out and about just throwing money around. So I think people really need to prioritize. And, you know, I'll hear people say, well, they just can't afford it. And I think uh, people still don't realize sometimes it's even cheaper to travel abroad than it is to travel within the United States. Um, I'm actually going to Portland and Seattle for a conference in July. And I couldn't believe the the flight prices. <laughs> I was like, I how is it so high just to fly within America? So, you know, there is definitely ways I think people can be nifty and figuring out how to travel if it's a priority for them. Yes, definitely. And I'm, as you know, all about that, you know, finding those ways, because there's, there always is a way there always is a way. Um, And so tell me a little bit more about your blog. I'd love to hear um, some of the topics that you're writing about and what you have available for people as resources. Absolutely, absolutely. So it started out, um, it was supposed to be like a webzine, a web magazine with different contributors every quarter talking about food, travel, wine, arts, and culture. But it became hard to keep up with, you know, asking for guest posts every month or every other month. So then it just became my baby and me sharing my personal experiences of traveling all over the world, kind of making people realize or feel like things are closer and not as different as they may think it to be, um, making them feel closer to, you know, people and places all over the world. So what I did realize, though, after starting it that way, um, people really responded to my travel guides. So as someone who, again, works full time, I may not have a month to spend in Thailand. (laughs) Most people don't have that. So I started writing guides on the top things to see and do. You know, if you have two days in Mykonos, if you have five days in Cuba, um, and people really, really responded to that because I was, I was very specific, how to get there, where to stay, what to do, where to eat, you know, top attractions, and then also some personal, you know, um, things about my experience there. So because of that, I actually started a whole travel guide section on my blog, which has now turned into travel eBooks. Um, so I released two eBooks earlier this year. One of them has 37 of my top travel guides from all over the world. Um, my second eBook was, um, on wine. It was USA wine guide, um, for travelers, because again, I think people like wine and they like to drink it, but they think, oh, I'm not smart enough, or I don't know enough to go wine tasting and visit wine regions. So again, I wanted to really break it down and make it more accessible to people. And so I started with the United States um, in terms of that wine guide. And I have a third one coming out on culinary travel. So I have a lot of food and wine guides. So for instance, if you're going to Boston, what five places should you eat? If you're in France and you want to visit the Champagne region, how do you go about doing that? And so I've compiled a bunch of those guides. Um, I've been to South Africa twice and I really love it. So I have a, just wrote a pretty long post about eating and drinking in South Africa. What are the traditional foods and drinks there where you should try them? So I really enjoy providing that information for my readers and I've had a great response from that. So basically my blog now focuses on travel, food, and wine and food being 
restaurants and food and wine festivals. I just went to the Atlanta Food and Wine Festival recently. And yeah, and I'll travel for food and wine. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I will have entire trips built on, okay, I'm going to New Orleans just to eat. Um, of course, going to Napa Valley to explore new wineries. And so my travel is definitely food and wine related, which I love. I mean, if I wasn't blogging, I would still be doing all of this anyway. So to be able to share with people and inspire people to visit these places is just an extra huge bonus, I feel. Yeah, I love all of that, especially hearing that you have one uh, about South Africa, because I yes. actually am planning to go to South Africa oh, next wonderful. year. And I've never been, so I'm going to need to read all of your guides around <laughs> that and talk to you personally at a later time. Yes, <laughs> so, no, you will You will yeah. love it. You will love it. It's amazing. Place. Fantastic. Really? Yeah. So, yeah, and I'm impressed hearing all that you've created, really. I know that, you know, y- you're you've explained your schedule to me. I know that you travel a lot, but even with that, I'm like, wow. And she's writing all of this content on top of it. Like this is just mind blowing. Like there's a reason why I podcast and don't write a lot. I mean, my hat's always off to all the writers. I I can write and I have a, uh, you know, history of doing a lot of freelance writing, but honestly, I would rather speak. Speak. Yes. No, I totally understand. Even just editing the photos, I think what's happened too is that because I'm I'm a night owl by nature. So even before this job, I love, you know, I just always stay up at night. I'm no good in the morning. So on my nights off, I'm still awake and up till two, three in the morning. So that's when I actually do a lot of my writing is just because I'm up, I'm awake, and I feel my most productive at night, actually. So um, again, it's not great for family life. Like my husband has a regular daytime job. So he's like, why are you still up at one in the morning? But that's just how my body functions at this point, especially after having this job for seven years. So yeah, I'm definitely, you know, very productive at one o'clock in the morning. (laughs) And that's when I edit my photos and so forth. So it's kind of funny. Yeah. You just have to find that time, squeeze in the time that, you know, makes the most sense for your schedule. Exactly. Yeah. It's amazing what you can do. And I want to ask you, um, because we're, you know, going to be wrapping up. I want to make sure I ask you, how do you feel travel has changed you internally? I mean, certainly it's probably, you know, you're traveling a lot, you've created a life around travel, your external life, but how has travel shifted things for you internally? Yes. And I actually wrote a post about this a while ago. And I always, I love the, the quote that travel breeds tolerance. And for me, learning about different cultures, being around people that don't look like me, um, that have a different religion, different history and so forth, has really made me, I think, a more understanding individual, someone who I, again, like even if someone's different from you, you can be tolerant because it's okay that they're different. It's okay that you're different. Um, But it just has made me more compassionate, I feel, a more compassionate person. Um, I think sometimes when you're stuck in your very small circle, whether where you live, where you work, then you see someone that doesn't look like you or doesn't wear the same clothes or practices a different religion, there's a fear there. Um, And I think travel has broken down that fear for me. And just being everywhere from the Middle East to Africa to Asia, um, I just really love getting to know people of different places and cultures because, again, I think it makes me more compassionate. It makes me more tolerant of, of other people and other cultures. And I feel that's been the biggest growth for me since I've been able to travel a lot. Love it. And I think more people, and I always tell people, if you 
can't travel, you know, to different continents, which is fine. Hopefully you can one day, but just travel around America. (laughs) I mean, there's so many different places in America, different people and immigrants. I mean, there's just so much to, to learn and absorb right here. And so I try and encourage people to just take road trips, take weekend trips, just go to a different state, you know, go to a big city if you live in a rural area and vice versa, and just kind of learn from each other. Um, And I I really think if more people did that, we would see a different America and uh, just a lot more tolerance of, of, of different people and cultures. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. So one question I have for you before we end is, um, do you have any tips, like any kind of, I know you have a lot of tips, you have travel guides, <laughs> but let's say for someone who's sure. just starting out with wanting to travel more, what would be a tip for them or a little um, encouragement that you would give them? Right, sure. I would first kind of make a list of places that you really want to go to. And it may just sound cliche to say have a bucket list because I know some people will just go to wherever there's a deal, which is also fine. Um, you may decide that these are the top 10 places you want to go to, but they never have deals for them. So you're going to once in a while go to these other places. But I think if you have a real passion and um, like a real goal of seeing these certain places or certain things, I would definitely first start with that list and then kind of research the costs associated with them. There's a lot of places like South Africa or Thailand, actually, where the airfare may be a lot. But once you get there, it's extremely affordable, <laughs> like cheap. I could not believe how cheap Thailand was. Um, so I think people really need to do their research on places and then obviously try and budget, whether it's putting something away every month or working towards a bonus or even, you know, I know a lot of people who have a side gig. So your regular job may afford you like, you know, pay what you can afford every month, but maybe you can get like a side gig that you can do from home or do online. And then that fun your your travel bucket list so to speak so i think you have to have real goals and intentions and then again do the research on the place and how much it'll cost and then work towards it i don't there's such a great feeling to me when i actually book a trip <laughs> like i get so so excited and it gives me something to look forward to so even if i'm struggling through work for a month i know something else is ahead of me mm-hmm. and that I'll be going on that trip. And I think a lot of people can really get that satisfaction out of traveling, but just kind of come up with a game plan and, you know, work towards it and definitely sign up for all the sites I mentioned before um, where you can get these travel z- deals, travel zoo, secret flying, just browse through those emails and you may see one of your bucket list destinations or someplace that's close that you've always wanted to go to. So Yeah, I think um, that's kind of how I do it still at this point. I will look through and see tons of deals, but I'm like, nope, I'm focused on getting to Europe by next year, for instance, you know, something like that and work towards that goal. And I think people will have such a great feeling once they accomplish that and see in person, you know, something that they've always wanted to see. It's just, it's really amazing when you actually get to places like the Eiffel Tower, you know, and just like, wow, this is amazing. And going to the Acropolis in Greece, it's just those experiences nobody can take away from you. And it's worth all the effort to try and make those travel dreams a reality. So true. You are talking my language. (laughs) (laughs) So I love it. (laughs) So yeah, and I'll be sure to include the links that you've mentioned, you know, I'll I'll get those from you and and put them in the show notes. Um, But also, why don't you tell us where we can find you? 
online. Yes. So it's pretty easy. My blog is the sophisticated life.com and um, the sophisticated life on Facebook. Uh, also on Instagram, Pinterest, and Twitter, I am at the sophist life, T H E S O P H I S life. Um, and so, yeah, I'm all over social media. I'm on LinkedIn, Nadine white. So I look forward to people checking out my story and following along with my travels. Yes. And I know I will be one of those people. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I've really enjoyed talking with you. Oh, I love it. I really hope it resonates with your listeners out there. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Nadine. Want to check out the resources and links mentioned during this episode? Head over to the show notes at jetsetlazette.com forward slash episode 30. That's jetsetlazette.com forward slash episode 30. And Lizette is spelled L-I-S-E-T-T-E. And if you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you are listening to this podcast. It really helps me grow the show. So please tell your friends about it. Have them tell their friends. I really appreciate you spreading the word. Thanks so much for tuning in and getting some travel inspiration. And I'll be back with more in a couple weeks. Until then, remember, life is short, travel more.